Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, you can have a seat. Welcome again, glad you're with us. Uh, we are continuing this morning in our series, Rest for the Soul, our study in the book of Psalms. And I'm not sure if there's a better place to go in the Psalms than Psalm 23 to understand rest for the soul. I have to give credit to Dr. Derek Thomas for the framework of my sermon this morning. I really loved how he framed this sermon, and so I'm going to be using that. I'm, I'm not sure if Psalm 23 is familiar or not to you. Uh, for many it is, and so perhaps you heard uh, it read just now, and you thought, oh no, here we go again, Psalm 23. Not again. Well, this has been a psalm that has been read by many hospital beds, deathbeds, and prisons, and funerals. We've seen it read on TV shows and in movies. It's familiar. It's often read in the midst of death or crisis, but I want to propose this morning that this psalm is not only about how to face death, rather it's a psalm about how we truly live. And so I'm going to pray for us uh, and remind us yet again that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Amen? Let's pray. God, I ask that you would speak to us, that you would engage our hearts and our minds with where you know we are. Lord, we all come in different ways this morning. Some of us come discouraged, some of us encouraged, some of us bored with life, some of us feeling guilty, some of us with deep shame, some of us feeling out of control, some of us uncertain, questioning. And so we pray that you would speak to us this morning, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. You are our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer, and we say, speak, Lord Jesus, to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Well, on occasion, not often enough, I, I go to an art gallery to observe art, to observe, observe the artist, to behold beauty. Uh, there are many great art galleries here in the Triangle. The exhibit currently here at the Hayta Center is phenomenal. I'd encourage you to check it out. There, there are many opportunities here and throughout the area to check out great art. An art gallery is a wonderful place to stop and to behold beauty, even understand truth. Artists have the ability to take something ordinary and make it extraordinary, right? A tree, a sunset, a person's face. Psalm 23 may feel ordinary to some of you this morning. So what I want to do is I want to offer to be your docent this morning. A docent is someone who leads guided tours, especially in art galleries. So I want to be your docent and, go, and guide you into the beauty of Psalm 23 and pray that God makes it extraordinary. And as we walk around the gallery of Psalm 23, I want us to stop and sit in front of four exhibits, four portraits, if you will. 
But before we stop at the first exhibit in our tour of Psalm 23, we have to understand who's behind the art. Who are we seeking to know and understand in these four exhibits? And David, the author of Psalm 23, lets us know in verse 1 that the Lord is my shepherd. That's who we're seeking to understand. David, the author of the psalm, was himself a shepherd. And he addresses the Lord as my shepherd. David understood that being a shepherd meant knowing the sheep intimately, caring for them, protecting them, guiding them. And so David turns to God in prayer and he says, you are my shepherd. Intimate. God knows him, feeds him, protects him, cares for him. So it's an intimate request, an intimate prayer before his God. Now, I don't want you to think that Psalm 23 is a psalm about us seeking God and our faithfulness to God. It is a psalm about God's faithfulness to us and his seeking and pursuit and protection and care for us. Psalm 23 is a door that opens up so that we can see the heart of our shepherd and what his heart means for us as his sheep. So will you come along with me as we tour and look at this beautiful song? Look at verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Our first exhibit on this stop is to behold the heart of our shepherd by looking at a landscape portrait. This painting that I want you to observe is, is a painting of lush green fields. Rolling hills, mountains, a running stream of water. The sun is setting and and there's this majestic radiant orange and blue sky. Imagine with me entering into this portrait and, and taking your picnic basket with your family or with your friends and the day is perfect. 70 degrees, not like it is today. No mosquitoes, no flies, no noises besides the sound of the breeze and the rolling water. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Some friends of mine are are in Colorado right now, fly fishing. It's an annual trip that I used to attend but haven't been in a while. And for seven days, we would spend time fly fishing in the the streams and the rivers of Colorado. And it was so life-giving. We'd wake up in the morning and we'd have a big breakfast. We'd read a passage of the Bible. We'd pray together and then we'd set off to fish Beautiful streams and rivers wading through the Rocky Mountains as I would cast my fly, pull out my lunch around 12 p.m., have lunch in the middle of the mountains. No noises, just the breeze, just the stream. And then we continued to fish the rest of the afternoon. And and then we'd all meet up, head back to the cabin, shower, make a big dinner, sit on the porch and talk, maybe watch a movie. And we did this for seven days in a row. They're doing it now. I'm so jealous that I'm not there. And when I think about that trip, the the main word that pops into my head is content. Content. The portrait that God gives us in verses 1 to 3 is that of contentment. I shall not want, David says. With God as our shepherd, we have no need. God has provided in every way. Life really is good. Now, this contentment's not because circumstances are good or because God has, has you know, given everything we've ever asked for. It's because of verse 3. He restores my soul. Sally Lloyd-Jones, in her book, the Jesus Storybook Bible, 
translating, kind of paragraphing Psalm 23 says, He has quieted my heart. That's a great picture of God being shepherd and us as His sheep being content. Our hearts, they're at rest, they're at peace. Life is good. Content. Life with my shepherd, it's like a picnic on a beautiful day. It's like fly fishing in Colorado. Quiet hearts and contentment, though, are not usual descriptors of our hearts, are they? We're driven by deep shame and guilt that leads us all to wonder if we're doing enough or if we are enough. We hear the voices of our past telling us to be more and to do more. We hear our own voice demanding us to be better. Now, the longer I pastor the church and, I'm more, and I get to know our collective heart as a church more and I know my own heart more, the more I realize guilt and shame terrorizes us. It is very descriptive of many of our hearts. We live day to day trying to prove ourselves, hoping for validation, affirmation, security, wondering if there's more that we can do or be. In church, our hearts are restless. The noises within are loud. David Letterman, great comedian, he was a late night show host for years, he wrote this about his experience and his life. Listen to what David Letterman wrote as the host of the late night show. He said, every night you're trying to prove your self-worth. It's like meeting your girlfriend's family for the first time. You want the absolute best, wittiest, smartest, most charming, best-smelling version of yourself. If I can make people enjoy the experience and have a higher regard for me when I'm finished, it makes me feel like an entire person. If I've come short of that, I'm not happy. How things go for me every night is how I feel about myself for the next 24 hours. Letterman says, if people have a high regard for me, it makes me feel like an entire person, a whole person. Restore my soul, make me whole is what David's saying. Letterman says, if I'm short of of this, I'm not happy. That's a restless heart. And it characterizes many of us. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He loves me. He cares for me. He will protect and lead. Our shepherd knows us, our weaknesses, and he still delights and loves and likes all of us. Life with God is good. It's good. Hearts trusting God are at rest. With Him, we're whole. We're deeply happy. It's what Letterman's saying he wanted, but life with God gives what our hearts most long for. So let's leave this landscape painting and move on to our next exhibit, which is Death Valley. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This painting here is a painting of of a deep valley with mountains on both sides, and there's darkness hovering over the valley. There's a sinister feel to this exhibit. Now, all of you know sheep frighten easily, right? Sheep, Sheep frighten very easily. Daniel sometimes frightens very easily. And, uh, and so I'm about to turn 38 years old this summer, and I still do not like walking into a home, into my home in complete darkness. I, I remember as a little kid, if I came home and the house was dark, I would run as fast as I could to a light switch, turn it on so I would no longer 
be in the dark. I feared darkness. I hated not being able to see or what might exist in the unknown. I love how Dan Allender defines fear in his book, The Cry of the Soul. Listen to how Dan Allender defines fear. Fear is our response to uncertainty about our resources in the face of danger. When we are assaulted by a force that overwhelms us and compels us to face that we are helpless and out of control, fear is provoked when the threat of danger, physical or relational, exposes our inability to preserve what we most deeply cherish. Fear of losing what we most deeply cherish causes us to live life with tight fist, driven with a desire for control. Whether that be the fear of losing a person like a loved one, or something material like money, or something more internal like the approval of others or security or comfort. When life is out of control or threatened and we feel like we might not be able to preserve what we deeply cherish, we're greatly afraid and we seek to control. Fear terrorizes many of us. I know it does me. All you have to do is look at our desire to control shows how deeply afraid we are. Now here's the thing about Psalm 23. It says that the way of the shepherd is through the valley of the shadow of death. The way of the Christian life is through the valley of death. It does not say we will never know the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, it says we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. John Bunyan, in his famous work, Pilgrim's Progress, shows Pilgrim on the, way to the, on the road to the celestial city. And as Pilgrim journeys toward the celestial city, the valley couldn't be circumvented. Pilgrim had to go through the valley. And what Bunyan and what David in Psalm 23 is telling us is that the way to the celestial city, to God's eternal presence, lies through the midst of Death Valley. In other words, that there will be the danger of losing what we deeply cherish. At times, we will lose what we deeply cherish. There will be times when we feel like life is out of control and we're gripped by fear. And this is necessary for the Christian as we travel along the road because in Death Valley is where we learn to turn to our shepherd who is with us. And we need not fear. Not because we can control and because we have the resources, but because our shepherd is in control. And he's with us and he has resources. He has a rod and a staff to comfort us. The rod, this was worn on the belt of a shepherd. Uh, there was a ball at the end of, of the stick and it was used as a defensive weapon to ward off lurking wolves and predators. It drove back threat. Shepherd also has a staff, which many of you probably seen depicted with a stick with a hook at the end, and the shepherd could use it if a, if a sheep would fall into the water to kind of bring it back, or if it got stuck in, the, in a thicket of bushes, kind of pull it back. The staff was protective. So what we see here is that our shepherd is with us, and he defends and he protects us. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we face our fears, we, we confront the dangers of this world, but then we come out of Death Valley having more trust and more faith in our shepherd because he has graciously defended and protected us. And we come out of the darkness trusting and knowing that the light of his presence and of his love is, is more profound than we've ever imagined because God has graciously chiseled away our desire for control and our fear of losing what we most deeply cherish. 
Let's move on to the third exhibit that reveals our shepherd's heart. It's a dining table. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What I want you to see here in this art gallery of Psalm 23 is not a painting, but I want you to turn around and, and look and see an actual real-life exhibit. Big, grand, circular table with friends and family circled around, eating a six-course meal, drinking the best drink you could imagine. There's laughter, there's love, there's delight. In the ancient Near East, when you sat at a table with someone over a meal, it was a sign of loyalty and commitment to that person. I've said this before, but Parenthood is one of uh, Rachel and my favorite TV shows. It, it, I, we loved it. We wish we could rewatch it over and over. Uh, it's just a great TV show. One of my favorite things about the show is, is to see the whole family gathering around a table, eating a big meal, laughing, tears being shed at different times. And Rachel and I have always been envious of that aspect of the Braverman family. And always wanted our family to be a family that enjoys being at the table together, eating a good meal, sharing our lives together. The Bravermans enjoyed and delighted in their meal. And around the table, if you've ever seen the TV show, you know that they were committed to one another. They were loyal to each other. They loved one another no matter what. Verse 5 is a picture of God's provision, His presence with us, that He offers us, His people, unending delight. Six-course meal, the best drink ever, and that he is committed to us. He's loyal to his children. Now catch this. God sets this table in the presence of his enemies. It's in the presence of his enemies. Our enemies will not go away because we're followers of Jesus. Will not go away. Verse 5 tells us that surely our cups will overflow. Now the reason that our cups can overflow is because Jesus drank from a cup. He drank the cup. The cup that Jeremiah and Isaiah talked about, the cup that Jesus said when he was headed to the cross, please, Father, let this cup pass. He drank the cup of wrath. Jesus drank the cup of judgment. He drank it to the dregs for our sins and for the sins of the world. He licked it clean for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross the judgment of sin was placed on him and by his death and by his resurrection jesus has defeated the enemy therefore we who trust in him drink from a cup that overflows our cup's not the cup of wrath it's a cup of blessing a cup of eternal love that never runs dry a cup of forgiveness for whatever sin you might have or will commit a cup of grace that runs deeper than your guilt and your shame. A cup of love that overflows to your insecurity. A cup of, a cup of protection that stills the fear within. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is building his church. And he's doing it within the sights of the gates of hell. Jesus is pushing back darkness and defeating the enemy as he builds his church. Our enemy wants to still kill and destroy, but our shepherd through Jesus, has prepared a banquet table, a six-course meal with the best drink. And he's offered our hearts the deepest delight, and he's promised loyalty and commitment, and that the gates of hell will never prevail against us. Well, let's finish our tour of Psalm 23 at this last exhibit. It's a picture of a house that I want you to see. Look at verse 6. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a painting of a house, a place of rest, a place of peace, of security, a place of family. Coming home after a long day, whether it be a day of ease or a day of difficulty, it's a wonderful feeling to enter into my home and take off my shoes, to sit on my own couch and be comfortable and be secure. I'm in my home. That's the picture here. After we journey through life, through times of contentment and times of darkness, we will arrive home. Our future hope to dwell in the house of the Lord. Listen to what Jesus promises in John 14, verses 1 to 3. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. There's coming a time when God's presence will fill the whole earth. And all who trust in him as the shepherd will dwell in his house forever and ever. But until that day, we have the abiding promise that goodness and mercy, beauty and love will not just follow us. The translation here is pursue or chase after us. Goodness and mercy will chase after us all the days of our lives. I love that. Douglas Macmillan, who was a Scottish pastor in the Free Church of Scotland, Scotland wrote about hearing a, a, a Scottish high, a Highland preacher preach on this passage. And this is what Douglas Macmillan wrote. He says, I remember listening to an old Highland shepherd, an actual shepherd. He was an elder in the church preaching on this verse. He said he was not only an old shepherd, uh, he was only an old shepherd, not a fancy theologian, but he was wonderful. And then he said this. This is what the Scottish old shepherd preached. He said, what do I think of when I think of goodness and mercy? I think of the fellows taking the sheep home, walking down the road with their sticks. The sheep are coming behind them, and behind the sheep are two dogs. One is called goodness, and the other is called mercy. He said, you watch them, sheep being what they are. When the shepherd's back is turned, they'll try and sneak off the road. You see a sheep on one side, and off it goes, trying to get back to the pasture in the mountains. Without even the shepherd whistling, what happens? Goodness runs out and circles the sheep back and turns it back into the flock and into the path of God. Then a little, a little further along the road, he said, another one will do the same, or two or three will do it, and there you'll see mercy running out and turning the sheep back too. Ah, he said, they are two lovely dogs, goodness and mercy. I think if I was still shepherding I'd still, and I still had two dogs, I would call one goodness and I would call the other mercy because it's a very true picture. We deserve nothing but his wrath, and yet daily his goodness and his mercy are following us. David says they follow us all the days of our lives. God in his goodness and his mercy will chase after us. He will never let us go. He will always come hunting us down with goodness and mercy. This psalm is not only a comfort in death, it's a psalm for the whole of life. In the midst of shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, desire for control, our shepherd will lead us into the landscape of contentment and wholeness. And he will go through and with us the death valley and defends and protects us. And he prepares a table, a six-course meal 
with the best drink to delight in, with a promise to be loyal. And he's preparing a house for us to dwell in all the days of our lives. And until that great day, church, would you know that he is your shepherd and goodness and mercy will pursue us and chase us down all the days of our lives. Amen? Let's pray. God, I ask that you would help us to trust your very character and your very heart that you are good and merciful and gracious, that you are a good shepherd, a great shepherd, a merciful and loving shepherd, and you are with us no matter how we feel or no matter what we go through. Because of what Christ has done on our behalf, you pour out blessings for us. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.